This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamecom slash donate. Thank you for listening. On this past watch night, I was very encouraged by the folks that responded publicly to my challenge to be more committed to God and the work of this ministry. And I am grateful that people are starting to see that they can do and be more for God. So today I want to continue that challenge and to challenge the church by talking about giving. I know that this topic is what most people don't like to hear about in churches. I'm clear on that. But it is a necessary and important aspect of our Christian faith and walk. Scripture that was read, 2 Corinthians, the 8th to the 1st through the 15th chapters, I want to just lift for a moment the 10th verse, which reads as follows. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. If the willingness is there, the, the, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. That's all it says. The Bible actually speaks a lot more about money than it does about prayer. As a matter of fact, there are 532 verses in the Bible as a whole about prayer, and there are about 1,539 verses about money and giving. There is no doubt that money and giving are deeply spiritual matters. God has taught us from the very beginning that he is the owner and the landlord of everything. Everything that we have is a gift or a loan from God. And all we are are mere stewards over what God has blessed us with. And so we as managers and stewards over God's resources have to be mindful that how we operate and how we function is a direct, a direct reflection of our faith especially the faith that we profess. And so today I want to speak on the subject of Christian giving. And the sermon I've titled quite simply, The Grace to Give. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, this is the new year, the first Sunday of the new year. I have no idea, Lord, why you're having me start it this way. Heaven knows, Lord, I don't like to talk about this stuff. But there is something that the devil has over us, that unless we understand and hear your truth, we will forever be bound by him. So Spirit of the living God, now breathe a fresh wind into this space, whether here in the sanctuary or even online. Open up the hearts of your people that they might hear the spirit of the message and not be so convicted and turned off by the content that they fear. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Let your preacher now preach what thus saith the Lord. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever the question of money 
and giving is raised in pastoral leadership meetings in the churches, most of us, if we admit it, right, recognize it's a subject that we least want to talk about. No, I'm talking the truth already. Even I must admit that I am very uncomfortable talking to people about giving or even raising the very subject in the church like I'm doing right now. So, so when I come to the worship service, I'm already coming from a place of trepidation today and concern because I really don't want to talk to anybody, let alone here or online, about money and giving. I don't want to. Now, there are a few reasons why I personally don't like to talk about money and giving in the church. There are a few reasons. Number one, because it often comes across as a form of rebuke. Almost like I'm going to punish you or guilt you into thinking something and me complaining in some way because people aren't giving as they should. That's one reason why I don't like to talk about it. The second reason is because I'm usually asking for money out of a desperate need because there's something we want to do in the church and we don't have the finances to get it done. We are short of meeting whatever the obligation is. And so because of that, I don't like to talk about it. Finally, number three, because I feel like I'm adding to the stereotype that most people think that all churches want is your money, right? We all, we all think that. I do too. You turn on the word network or anything, and before you even get a word, you're hearing, send me $100, and you're going to get a special cloth with a special blessing tied to it because I dipped it in the toilet and make you believe it was the Jordan River. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying anything most of us aren't thinking. There are so many gimmicks out there that sometimes you wonder who to trust. And so as a preacher and a pastor coming to talk to the church about money, I'm already dealing with the pressure of what everybody is thinking. So let's just put it out there. These are the three reasons why I personally don't like talking about money and giving in the church. But here is the truth. If anyone has to ask you to do something in life, no matter what it is, it is usually because you are not doing that something. That's a fact. If someone has to ask you to pay some bills, it's because the bills aren't getting paid and they need to be paid. If someone asks you to clean your room, it's because your room is dirty. If someone asks you to be nice, guess what? It's because you are mean. If someone has to ask you to be respectful, it's because you are disrespectful. Well, well. Therefore, if someone has to ask you to give money, it's because you're not giving. It's just that simple. So, so my point is, if anyone has to ask you to do something in life, no matter what it is, it is always and usually because you're not doing that something. This is why, therefore, pastors like me really don't like asking or talking about money in our congregations, but we often have no choice but to do it because people are not always giving. So the question becomes, why don't people give in churches? What's the problem? The answers might surprise you. Many people believe that people don't give in churches because of these five reasons. Here they are. Number one, they're in a difficult financial situation. Well, truthfully, this has never stopped people before because you all know that if there's something that you really want, you end up finding the money to do it. Isn't that the truth? If it's something that means a lot to you, you're going to find the money to do it. And as a matter of fact, when you find the money to do whatever it is you want to do, what do we always say? God brought it to me at the right time. God is good. Yes. We are excited when it comes 
Well, that's one reason. People are in a financial situation. The second reason is people have concerns about where the money goes. Now, you all know I'm telling the truth, right? When you give, you wonder, oh, it's all going into the pastor pocket, right? He's driving a nice car. You're always concerned about where the money goes. And this is a tough one because we give our monies to all kinds of things, charities, um, you know, investments. We do all of these things, and we're, oh, we're not even questioning where the money goes with those things. But every time it comes to the church, there's a problem. So the first issue is people have a financial situation. The second is they have concern about where the money goes. And the third is people have a bad church experience. Mm. This one's a little weird because many of us have had bad experiences with restaurants and with clothing stores and you name it. You know, we've got bad experience. The customer service wasn't good. You all know you go to like a McDonald's and the person is just really mean. But when you're hungry, you go find another McDonald's, right? So you don't stop because of, of the fact that you had a bad experience at one restaurant. You like the food, so you keep going back. A bad experience, for example, at Starbucks is never going to stop me from enjoying my mocha chocolata almond frappuccino latte extra grande. I'm just saying, you know, one bad experience is not going to stop me from, I don't even know if they make that, but I'm just saying, right? The point is, one bad experience that you may have in the church doesn't mean that all churches are the same way. Amen. The fourth reason is, you believe, many believe, that others will take care of it, right? So, you haven't been given to the church, so therefore, and the church is still here, and they seem to be doing well, so I don't need to do anything because somebody else will do the work. Somebody else will give to the cause, or somebody else will take care of what's going on. Well, that's the fourth reason. And finally, the fifth reason, which is probably why they think most people don't give in church, is because you just don't care. This may be a little closer to the truth. It sounds harsh, but most people really just don't care. And the church is a convenience as long as you don't have a need for it, right? The moment something goes wrong in our lives, what do we often do? We start to find God and pray. Right? But all the other time when things are going well, nobody even remembers God or prayer. Now, these are five reasons that most people think why people don't give in churches. But I don't really believe that those are the five reasons. I think there are five more reasons people don't give to the church. And this is what I believe. Number one, people don't give because they're not committed to the mission and the vision of the church. You don't really necessarily believe in what we believe and what we are about and what it is that we're trying to do as we endeavor to build the kingdom of God. Most people like to say they do, but generally speaking, you really don't believe it and you haven't really bought into it. That's one. Second reason I think most people don't give to the church is because we are inherently selfish. Everything that we want, if it doesn't give us an immediate benefit, then we don't really do it. Right? We, we are in an age where there is almost this entitlement spirit and mentality, this instant gratification. Right? If I want information, I go to Google University and I get all the information and I become an authority all of a sudden. But the church's methods and its ways takes a little time. It's built on building relationships with people. It is where you get to know the pastor. The pastor gets to know you. You are invested in the ministry in a way that when things go wrong, you're not talking to a total stranger, but you're, you're talking to someone who has been there walking with you through the fire. And that takes time to develop relationships. But we are in an age where we don't really want all of that because it's too much work. So inherently, people are selfish. The third reason, I think, is that people just don't believe. We like to go around and say, we believe in God, but you really don't until the devil comes and shows you really what you don't believe. The devil is really, really good at what he does. 
and I use good in quotes, right? But the truth of the matter is, if you believe God the way we talk about God, there is no reason why the devil should even be able to come close to anything with you. He'll have to try new ways and new schemes because your faith is so strong. But faith is like everything else, right? You have to grow it, develop it, nurture it. You have to tend it. You have to be involved and grow. It can't just be when I feel like it. The fourth reason is people just don't understand the concept of giving. They don't get it. You know what it feels like when you give. How many of you, well, don't raise your hands, but how many of you would agree that every time you do a good deed for someone, whether or not they appreciate it or not, there's a part of you that feels satisfied in your spirit, in the deepest part of your spirit. Could be something as simple as helping someone across the street. There is something about giving of yourself that God says, whoa, and then he pours into you his spirit in ways that are just too deep for words. Y'all know the feeling. The problem is you're not addicted to the feeling good of God. The final reason is we didn't ask. It's just that simple. The fifth reason is that very often pastors like me who are so scared of asking for money, we don't even ask. And sometimes if you ask, people will give out of the generosity of their heart. So the last two is where I want to spend my time in this message. That people don't understand the concept of giving. And number five, we didn't ask them, right? We didn't ask them. And so our text will help us with this analysis. Look with me again at verse one. It says, and now, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, COVID, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Most of us tend to think our money is our own personal business. We are secretive about how much we make and we are secretive about how much we give. And to satisfy this kind of thinking, we respect the rights of others and keep those matters as a church private. So if you give to this ministry and you give to this church, nobody knows what you give except the people who are involved in preparing your tax documents. We don't share your information because we don't think it's anybody's business. It's your business. And because we respect your privacy, we will always honor it. Now, whatever you think about that. However, however, we need to realize that there is a simple biblical truth when it comes to money. How much we earn and give may or may not be a personal matter, but it is without question and always will be a spiritual matter. Trust me when I tell you that, church. You can choose to give secretly or you can choose to give publicly, but be clear about this truth. You must give. Usually when we give secretly, it's because we're feeling a sense of guilt. And we're carrying it around because we probably think we should be giving more. Right? You know it. When people come sometimes to give, you don't want, you, you roll up the money in a little ball. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're tight. It's so tight. And you drop it in because you don't want anyone to see that it's really a 20 wrapped, wrapping around a dollar. But you want it to look thick. I'm saying people have this way that they're trying to be secretive about it. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm simply saying that what it is actually communicating is that there's a part of you that feels a sense of guilt. Like you should be doing more, but you're just going to get over. 
If you choose to give publicly, then those are the folks that sometimes want everybody to know that they got it like that, right? They'll walk around. And listen, this is nothing new in the church. You watch, listen, I watch these music videos too, just like everybody else. And what do you see? Bling, bling, right? They got it all because they want you to know I have so much that I can be gaudy with it, right? There is a part of us, and I'm not judging them or anyone. I'm saying there's a part of us that when you have abundance, you want people to know, right? That's a spiritual thing. Believe it or not. So whether or not you choose to give publicly, the fact of the matter is, however your motivation is, you must give. So let's look at the church in Corinth. Paul raised a subject of giving to the Corinthian church for a very specific reason. The church in Jerusalem, which was the mother church where everything started, right? They were the ones that planted all of the other churches in the mission. And now the, 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 the Jerusalem church is in trouble. Mother Bethel is in trouble. Where all of the AME churches started from, Mother Bethel is in trouble. And so all of the churches now are deciding, hey, we need to help out Mother Bethel. Got it? So Allen Temple is going to do its part to help out Mother Bethel. Greater Allen Cathedral is going to do its part to help out Mother Bethel. Emmanuel Tuckahoe is going to do its part to help out. All of the churches are going to do their part to help out the mother church where AME started in the first place. I'm contextualizing it for you. Now, Paul suggested to the people that, listen, it would be a really good idea if we come together and we do something special. And everybody bought into the vision. You know how it goes. You start a committee and everybody starts to do their part, right? So time of after time, what do you think happened? People fall off. They didn't buy into the vision anymore. Nobody's giving and Mother Bethel is still struggling. So Paul now takes a look at this and he says, wait a second. Something is wrong because the Macedonian churches, which are the churches in Philippi and Thessalonica, they are doing something really, really special, but the Corinthian church isn't. So Paul is looking now at these two churches, the Macedonian churches and the Corinthian churches. And Paul is saying, wait a second, we had a vision about what we would do. Something is amiss here. And so this is what Paul says. In, he says in verse 1, listen, listen. And now, brothers and sisters, he's talking to the Corinthians. We want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of all of this insurrection and political upheaval, in the midst of all of this supply chain shortage, in the midst of people losing their job, in the midst of everyone having a really hard time making ends meet, in the midst of disasters, hurricanes and floods and fires and people losing their homes, in the midst of all of this, wait a second, the Macedonian churches look in their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify, Paul says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently even pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this experience to the Lord's people. I'm not sure if you captured all of what I just said, so let's break it down. Paul says, I want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah, somebody. Before we go any further, I want you to know that the Macedonian churches, in the midst of their struggle, God gave them something. Yeah. When you don't have anything to give, but your heart is in the right place, God's going to do something with his grace. Now, now, I don't know what that is for you in your life. 
I don't even know what that is in, in how you understand God, but something about the God we serve, something about how he functions, is that when you have nothing, he finds a way to give you more. It's when you have it all, and you think you got it all, that God says, all right, do it. If we can humble ourselves enough to recognize that all that we have is thine, including our very own life, how do you know the grace that it took so that many of us who probably are here, COVID didn't take you out like it did others. There is a grace that covers us. He, he said, Paul said, they were, over, they were in extreme poverty, but they welled up in generosity. What does that mean? How can you be richly generous in extreme poverty? Well, Paul says they gave what they were able to give. Meaning they had some money, but they gave what they could. Paul says they gave beyond their ability. Meaning that they went above and beyond even what they had. Why? Because they bought into the mission. And it's, Paul says they gave of their own free will. And this is the part that I love. They begged for the privilege to share in this particular offering. Wow. Paul says they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to God and then to the will of the people. So here's the concept. How is our, I'm, I'm going to break it down for you. Very simple terms and then we'll close. Let's just say, for example, that we have three different types of members in our churches. We have member A. Stay with me, church. Member A is the person who is retired living on fixed income. They have no other source of income but social, what they get from social security. That's all they're living on. That's member A. Member B in this church is the one who, they don't really have steady income. Sometimes they make money, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're doing good, sometimes they're not good, doing so good. But they give what they can when they're able to. That's member B. Have a heart for work, for God. That's member B. And then there is Member C. Member C now has a steady income, and they make at least, at least $30,000 a year. That's member C. So I hope you got the members. Member A lives on a fixed income, only getting money from Social Security, usually the elderly in the church. Member B don't always have money, but when they have, they offer it. They do the best they can. And then member C makes a steady income at least more at no less than $30,000 a year, right? So you can all think about which category you're in. In this particular church, Allen Temple, Reverend Neftin, in this particular church, Allen Temple, members A and B make up about 30% of our congregation. Hmm. Member A, remember member A is the one who's on a fixed income, Social Security. Hmm. Member B is the one that gets some income every now and then and they bless the church when they can. Members A and B make up about 30% of this congregation. Member C makes up about 70% of this congregation, right? So we see the members. Now, what is happening is in, the, in, in Paul's day was that the Corinthian churches was member C. The Corinthian churches, now please don't misunderstand my message. The Corinthian churches are the mega churches in this denomination. And the, 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 the Macedonian churches, Thessalonica and Philippi, are the Allen Temple AMEs and the Emmanuels. And what happened is we want Mother Bethel to do well, but everyone needs to do their part. And Paul is saying, wait a second here. Something is not right. Because the 
Corinthian church, which is the rich churches, not doing their part to keep this thing going. As a matter of fact, the Macedonian churches are out giving the Corinthian churches. What you all need to know that what Paul is talking about is even true in this church. The, the, the member A and B, which make up the 30% of this church, are the ones who are doing more than the 70% that can afford to do more. It's a sad commentary, and I know it's painful to hear, but it is the truth, as God is my witness. Somehow we have a tendency to believe that when things are going well in our lives, we no longer need to support the work of God. And it's only when you have been to the place where you are down and you are broken and you understand that had it not been for the Lord on your side, you wouldn't even be able to make next month's rent or even next month's bill. You had God working with you. And because you are so grateful as a a Macedonian church, you give in a way that says, God, thank you for the little that I have. And when that comes out of you, God now finds the grace to give you. It is God who says, I don't even know how I made it into 2022 because I was broke, busted, and disgusted. But I made it through by the grace of God. He was there and he showed up at the last minute. He showed up right on time. And guess what? He'll do it again. So the question I have, Brothers and sisters, as you think about yourself and 2022, are you a Macedonian or are you a Corinthian? Because it's talking about your heart. Paul says this, listen, in verse 8, I'm not commanding you, but I want, he's talking to Corinthians. I'm not commanding you and telling you you need to do more, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing you with the earnestness of others. I, I, I love this text. Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake and mine, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I do not understand why God uses money to, to measure our faith. But I have a clue. And I have a clue because it says, well, let me say it this way. God doesn't want your money, <laughs> and neither do I. I, I. Listen, whether I'm the pastor of this church or not, trust me, God can always bring someone here to do a much better job than I am. So I don't want, this is God's church. It rises and falls on God. Let's be clear about that. What I'm after is after doing the thing that God has said to me to do. Love these people despite themselves. Love them with everything I have placed in you. Love them so that they will know that that I will be the reason that they all know that I am good. And so I focus my heart and my ministry on you. Because I can't make you any better off than you can, than God can do it. But what I can tell you is that there is a way that seems right to the heart of a man. And when the Bible tells us, lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. That's what God says. But he also says, for where your treasure is, 
there your heart is also. So, as I close, how much we earn and how much we give are deeply spiritual matters. And we cannot go from paycheck to paycheck without thinking carefully about how we are even using our money. It is your choice and it is your decision. But here's what it says. Whatever you have purposed in your heart, if you believe, listen, if you believe that I'm doing well, but maybe I'll just commit to doing $25 a week. That's it. If that's what your purpose in your heart, what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, is that for us, that's good enough. If that's all you say you're going to do, $25 a week, no matter what. If that's where you are, obviously some can do more. But I'm telling you, there is no part of us in this ministry that is going to put pressure on you to do more above and beyond what it is that you have purposed in your heart. Because if you purpose that in your heart, all what Paul is saying, and all I'm saying is, honor it. Honor it. Just honor it. That's it. No one's going to expect more or less from you. Honor it. And guess what? The grace of God, the grace of God that is on the person who is making $100,000 a year, the, 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 the Corinthian is the same grace of God that is on the Macedonian. God is no respect to a person. And so, and so as we enter into this new year with new opportunities and new possibilities, let us take hold of the grace that God has given to each of us through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And let us make a real commitment to put our money where our mouth is so that our earning and our ministry and our giving will not glorify the church, but glorify God. It's all about God. So, so, so I know, <laughs> listen, I know this message kind of pricked some people in the side a little bit. It's all right. It's okay to be challenging church. But I want you to know something. That whether or not, and as my wife right now is my witness, whether or not you are a big giver in this church, a little giver in this church, or a no giver in this church, the grace of God and the ministry that he has blessed us with, we have no authority or right to judge any of you. And so when you have a need that the church can fill, whether you're a big giver, a little giver, or a no giver, we will be there for you. No matter what. Because we understand that what Jesus Christ did for us, we could never repay. Never pay him back. And when he hung on that cross, and the very same people, listen, the very same people that he healed, the very same people that he turned water into wine at their wedding, the very same people that he healed of their leprosy, were the very same ones that yelled, crucify him. Imagine how Jesus feel, felt. But he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So I pray that the love of God that is in me and in all of us, that you feel it in your heart because we are truly grateful for what God has done for all of us. And may our giving and our treasure demonstrate 
our love for him. Amen? May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved. Thank you.